Welcome to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the MD family. This Monday morning, May 3rd, May is already here. I hope you had an amazing weekend. Forsake not the worth of commitment. Oh, this is going to be a good one today. And I'm happy that you're here. Marshall, I'm happy you're here. Roxanne, Carol, so good to see each and every one of you. Thank you for making this a part. Joseph and Jerry, and thank you. I um, We're sort of in temporary quarters here, so I don't know how I'm... Uh, if you could see the contraption that I'm doing right now, it would make you laugh. But somehow it's it's working. So say a prayer. Uh, the Internet is not as strong here. We're in temporary quarters between houses. Moving not far, just less than a mile as a crow flies. But one of those situations. But happy that you're here. Does this look like a moving face? Yeah. Yeah. You know the joys of moving Oh, my, my, my. But we're thankful, thankful and blessed this Monday morning that you're a part of this. And um, technology, I'm a little limited what I can see today, but I can see you flying by. You you look like you've got energy this Monday morning. So thank you. Thank you, Terry and Connie, Sheila. Thank you for being a part of this. Forsake not the worth of commitment. I do want you to be in prayer Stay in prayer for the Seckler family. Uh, we laid their patriarch with the jury to rest Saturday. What beautiful, beautiful service. And, and uh, it was just amazing. And uh, the, the military send-off, it was tremendous. And, of course, this weekend we lost our own dear brother Larry Porter. What a jewel. What a leader. What a guide to so many people. And say a prayer, say a prayer for the Porter family, for Redona and his brothers and sisters. Thank you. Thank you for lifting them up in your prayer. And then any prayer requests you have. There's a phrase that's been on my mind uh, last night and this morning. I just couldn't get away from it. And actually, I started doing a study on another phrase that I thought I was going to speak about this morning. But this one just took over. There are so many, the, the phrase is forsake not. There are so many knots in the Bible. You know, there's 6,000 knots in the Bible, N-O-T, 6,000 of them. It's an abiding word of the law. Touch not, taste not, handle not, thou shalt not, the Ten Commandments. In fact, we look at the word not and pretty much decide that it's, we don't want to have anything to do with not. For if the law could have perfected people, if 6,000 no's in the Bible failed to make mankind what we should be, then why emphasize the nots? I, I, I think it's important, so crucial that we understand we don't build our faith on a knot. We, we, we don't build a faith on a negative. We require a yay and an amen and an affirmation of faith, not a negation of faith. Can I get a witness to that? MB, can I get a witness to that? Yes. So this phrase captured my attention. Forsake not, or you'll see it sometimes, not forsake in Scripture. The phrases are only used just a handful of times in the Bible, and they're sprinkled in some random places in the book, as we would expect, since it's the word not is in the Old Testament. But either in practice or in 
metaphor, allegory, they slip over into the New Testament as well. And I think it's fruitful. And I want to talk to you about it this Monday morning, Forsake Not. And it's the worth of commitment. So you knew the drill. Like, share, follow the page. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube and other platforms, subscribe. And thank you for being a part of this today. I, I have lived my life devoted to a yes. I've lived my life devoted to affirmation. Some of you know that a few years ago, I went through a year of yes. I just said yes to anything and everything. It nearly killed me. I, and I, I learned that, that every yes I said uh, turned something into a no, and every no I said gave me an opportunity to say yes. So I'm, I'm a little more judicious and calibrated in my use of the word yes and no. But I I love this idea, forsake not. It speaks of a, a genuineness, of an authenticity in our lives that I believe we need. We need so much. As I mentioned, there's a lot of knots in the Bible. 6,600 times the word not, something like that. Forsake not, not forsake. That's the one that captures my attention. I want to Start where I should. I think I'm going to go through three or four uses of this phrase in scripture. I'm going to start where I should, where Solomon says twice in Proverbs, to listen, give ear to the instruction of your fathers, but forsake not the law of thy mother. This Mother's Day week coming up, as with many of you, have got a big Mother's Day planned and uh, got a baby dedication this Sunday as well. It just seems right to do that. And so forget, forsake not the law of thy mother. The word forsake that Solomon used there means to reject or to abandon, to walk away from. How important it is in our day and age to be aware that we need to be connected with the generations gone by. Do you remember how Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, he's writing to his son in the faith. I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded it's in you as well, Timothy. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift which is in you through the laying on of hands, for God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. He said, your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice, there's a golden ch a chain of faith. Timothy's father is absent in this linkage of faith for a variety of reasons. We believe that Timothy, Timothy's dad was an unbelieving Gentile, may have deserted him. Paul filled this gap in Timothy's life, calling him and treating him like a son in the faith. Forsake not the law of thy mother. Recall, remember, Hold on to what has been taught to you. This is a commitment. It's a commitment of fidelity, of being faithful to what was put in you, what you were taught, the law of thy mother. Here's another use of the word forsake not. It's found in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 12, 19. Take heed to thyself that thou forsake not the Levite as long as thou liveth upon the earth. Again, we read something later in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 14 and 27, and the Levite that is within thy gates, thou shalt not forsake him, for he hath no part nor inheritance with thee. 
I find this very interesting. Forsake not the Levite. Because even though it's in the law, it does have an important connection and counterpart in the grace age that a Levite, a Levite was a person, of course, from the tribe of Levi. You remember the 12 tribes of Israel. This was the one that was devoted to the Lord. From Levi would come Moses and Aaron, then all of the Aaronic priesthood, the priests and Levites came from the tribe of Levi. They, they served God. They worked around the house of God. And when Israel came into the promised land, all of the other tribes were given a territory. Uh, Joshua was so careful. Chapters 13 through 21, he identified the territories of all the tribes, but Levi was omitted. He wasn't there. Now, if you look at the maps in the back of the Bible, you're going to see 12 territories and you're going to see 12 tribes. But since Levi is omitted in the territorial boundaries, you get to the number 12 by splitting the tribe of Joseph's sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Those half tribes become full tribes in terms of territory. So the Levites had no territory. Why? Because the God of Israel is their inheritance. That's what Joshua said. They were given places to live in pasture lands throughout the territories of the other tribes. They were scattered, sprinkled throughout the other 12 tribes. Forsake not. Don't forsake the Levites that are in your midst. And of course, Israel was tribal and they largely operated on tribes during the wilderness journey. They camped by tribes. And even though where they were permitted to marry members of other tribes, it grew very complicated when they got in the promised land with the inheritance of properties because land had to remain with the tribe and with the family. So it's understandable then that the Levites who were sprinkled out through the other tribes would feel left out, abandoned, strangers in a strange land. God said, don't forsake them, include them, make them feel apart. And remember, remember, it was the tithing of the 12 tribes that supported those Levites. It's how they ministered. It's how they survived because they didn't have everything. They didn't have all of the blessings that the other tribes have. Forsake not the Levites. And since the New Testament ministry is patterned on that same principle, this principle of of all of the tribes supporting the Levites. I think it bears significance. I, I know a lot of ministers. I've worked with a lot of ministers, led hundreds of ministers. And back in my CPA days, I did the books for a lot of churches and taxes for a lot of ministers. No, I don't do that anymore. Thank you. I Thank you. That's a plow that I've burned. Let it stay burned, please. And, uh, but but for every one minister I found doing okay financially, so many struggle. And I think Moses is saying to the children of Israel, and I hear God's voice saying, don't forsake the Levites, include them, don't ostracize them, make them feel apart, and remember to support them. Your, your tithes and offerings do that. In the New Testament, Jesus actually complimented religious people for paying their tithes, then said, you go a little overboard, you you're tithing from the, the mint and the cumin and the weeds that are growing in your yard. That's a little much. But you also read, muzzle not the ox that treads out the grain. If that a man labors in the word, then he should be rewarded for such. So forsake not the Levite. This is a commitment. It's a financial commitment. We have a fidelity commitment, a financial commitment. Put God first. But here's another use of the phrase forsake not. And I especially love this one. I really love this one. 
Proverbs 27 10, thine own friend and thy father's friend forsake not. Neither go into the brother's house in the day of thy calamity for better is a neighbor that is near than a brother far off. Here's a, another translation of that passage. I, I, I just love that. Never abandon a friend, either yours or your father's. When disaster strikes, you won't have to ask your brother for assistance. It's better to go to a neighbor than to a brother who lives far away. Forsake not your friend. Never abandon a friend. Do you remember? How many of you remember? Yolanda, Zane, Nancy, do you remember this? Do you remember this? When we used to do Friends Day at church. Anybody remember that? Elmer Towns was the author of that, a great program. And for a month or so, we would talk about friendship. Then people would invite their friends to come on a Friends Day. And what always staggered me was the struggle people had to invite friends. Not just that they had lived their lives in front of these people without being a witness so many years, but that they had so few people they could call friends. It was easier, it seemed, to invite a stranger than to find a friend. Can I say, in America, we are friend poor. There is a famine of friendship in America. You got friends in social media, but few that meet that biblical definition, that friend that sticks closer than a brother, that faithful of the wounds of a friend, the loyal allies in life who love us, care for us, enrich us, and who help extract the toxins and bitterness out of our spirits. They bear our burdens with us. And they walk with us through the lonely valleys. These are the people who are for us. Can I say that in this MD family? I, I hope you're building some good friendships. Pray with you each morning. You pray with me. We pray for one another. Let's build some friends that we can ride the river with. Friends, that's my grandpa's old saying. They're friends that we can stand together, pray for one another, check on one another, watch out for one another. Don't forsake your friends. Forsake not your friends. Yes, you have brothers and sisters. You have family and close family. And that's a reward beyond compare. But foster those friendships and relationships that are healthy and find people who are genuine and who have nothing negative to say about people who build you up. You build them up and watch God do something miraculous. Forsake not friends. Forsake not friends. It's a commitment to friendship. Isn't that good? I just love that. Eunice, Cindy, I love that. Don, I love that. I just love that with all of my heart that we need strong friends. And then can I give you one more? One more forsake not. It's actually planted in the heart of the New Testament. One of the significant knots found in the 27 books of grace. It's in Hebrews 10. It's in Hebrews 10. Let us consider one another, provoke unto love and to good works. Isn't that what we've been discussing with friendship? Then he said, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. As we see Christ's return, we need to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. Do you know when the church was born, it was too big for a building. I mean, 3,120. 
They would meet outside Solomon's porch. Then they would meet house to house throughout the week. It wasn't for a couple of hundred years, probably, that you actually start seeing the building of churches. And even then, they perished quickly with persecution, ongoing wars of neighboring nations, differing religions. No, we gather in different ways. But why do we gather? either in person, online, the church house, individual homes, Facebook Live, on Sunday or throughout the week. We we get together for five reasons. Here are the five reasons we assemble. Worship. Amen. Fellowship. Discipleship. And I, I would also include discipleship, conversion, but worship, fellowship, discipleship. For ministry's sake, that's why we get together. And then finally, for mission. That's why we all get together. Worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and mission. That's why we get together. We don't go to spectate. We don't go to judge. We go to worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, and mission. Those are our five main reasons. In this pandemic, church attendance has plummeted. There's still people watching online and for valid reasons, but how important it is for you to be a part of the body of Jesus Christ. A churchgoer wrote a letter to an editor of a newspaper years back and complained that it really made no sense to gather, to assemble together on Sunday. He said, I've gone to church for 30 years now. That time I've heard something like 3,000 sermons. But for the life of me, I can't remember a single one of them. So I think I wasted my time. I think the pastors are wasting their time. It started a real controversy in the letters to the editor column, of course, much to the delight of the editor and the publisher, went on for weeks until someone wrote the clincher that shut it down. He wrote, I've been married for 30 years now, and that time my wife has cooked some 32,000 meals, but for the life of me, I cannot recall the entire menu for a single one of those meals. But I do know this, they all nourished me and gave me the strength I needed to do my work. If my wife had not given me those meals, I would be physically dead today. Likewise, if I'd not gone to church for nourishment, I would be spiritually dead today. Oh, my. Yes, we go to be fed. We go to be nourished. That's the worth of assembling ourselves together. But I believe one of the key features that we miss is that in the apostolic church, The breaking of bread not only was in public on the Lord's day, but it was from house to house. And that's how the church started. It's what sustained the church during persecution. It's how believers were discipled. Can I just say that it's what's going to sustain us in the days we're living in now and in the days to come, getting together with fellow believers to pray, to bind together in prayer, to fellowship, to encourage one another, not to criticize one another, but to encourage one another to good works. is so crucial in our day because Jesus is coming and he's coming very, very soon. So get ready, folks. Encourage one another. Gather together. Start a small group. Start a ministry group. Start a sort of rehab group. Start a fellowship group. Start any group and watch what God can do. Forsake not the worth of commitment. So here's what we need to do is be true to what we've been taught. Be faithful in our finances. Be committed to friendships and remember to assemble together. But you know what struck me late last night and early this morning in studying this phrase, forsake not. You know what got me? 
is as I was searching and I have some really great Bible programs that I can do some detailed searches and nail down words and, and I'm thankful for these tools. And, but as I was searching for this phrase and I probably did 20 or 30 different searches to get all of the permutations and all the variations of this phrase, one thing struck me as I was threading through all of the verses to find these forsake nots of things that you and I need to be careful not to reject and not to abandon. For every one I could find of what we should do, I found dozens and dozens where God says again and again, I will not forsake you. Yeah. I will not forsake you. I will not deny you. I will be with you. Here I am saying there's four areas that we need to be very careful not to forsake. But for every area that I can come up with, I come up with dozens and dozens of times God's sin. And remember, I won't forsake you. I won't forsake you. I can be faithful to my heritage and what was placed in me. I can be faithful to the old paths that were shared with me. I can. I can be faithful in my finance and in my giving, especially to those Levites, to those who labor in the word. I can be so very faithful to find good, healthy, non-toxic friends and be faithful to them. And finally, I can be faithful to my church family and to get together with my small group and the people that I count, that I count as some of my dearest friends and my spiritual family, that we can encourage one another. I, I applaud you, MD family, that each and every morning you show up here. And it always just shocks me when I start seeing you show up. And I thank God how, how unworthy I am that people would take the time to do something like this. I don't want to forsake my meeting with you. And we for we will encourage one another and provoke one another. And one day, one day, why not? A million years after we're in heaven, we'll just gather on the eastern steps beside the throne, the MD family, and say, we made it. We made it. Have a tag-in session and say each and every one of us made it to the other side. May God richly bless you. May he bless you today. Please leave your prayer requests out to the side. Continue to pray for the Seckler family. Continue to pray for the Porter family. And as you know, we have a great burden for the Indian subcontinent. That's India and Pakistan and Nepal and Bangladesh and Myanmar. And and uh, there is such an explosion of the virus over there. It is, as one of their doctors said, apocalyptic. We need to pray. Lift up our brothers and sisters in the Indian subcontinent. And let's pray and let's believe God that he's going to be with them. May the Lord bless you. I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow. May he be near you today. God bless. Thank you for listening to Morning Devotion with Ken Gurley. Join us next time for another inspiring devotion. To support this ministry, please visit firstchurch.com forward slash give.